Welcome. Great to have you guys here. Thanks so much for joining us for a brand new series, Why Am I Not Happy? Thanks for coming. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Let's also give it up for our God Behind Bars guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. Excited to see all the guys doing in our prison ministry. It's growing, by the way. We keep uh, adding campuses there, and so it's incredible. And so this church is so hot, people break the law to come to it. It's crazy. And so we love you guys. Just want to let you know that. So thankful for them. They'll laugh harder than you did. Trust me. It's all good. We love those guys. Talking about why am I not happy? Because so many people struggle with this. So many people are struggling with, with whether or not they're like trying to find happiness or maybe even full-blown depression. That's also popular. A lot of people are anxious nowadays as well or just dealing with different struggles in life. And so we wanted to unpack this today. And, and so as I talk about this, I, I want to tell you I, I'm kind of a fellow struggler. I, I have dealt with depression my whole life because I'm a Texans fan. So... <laughs> funny for you. Uh, no, the truth is, though, I really have dealt with this in my life. I'm, I'm not just kidding. I really have dealt with this to some degree in my life, and I don't claim to have clinical depression or any type of mental illness or any stretch. Uh, to, so if that's where you are, we want to encourage you to go see a doctor, to go see someone who can help you with that. That's important. And so we're going to talk about that just a little bit but in, in a few moments. But just know that really we're talking about the general public just struggles with just happiness, just saying, man, I just, why, am I, why do I feel incomplete? Why am I struggling? Why am I always down? You know, that's just a very common feeling today. So how do you overcome that? How do you, how do you really get to happiness? Well, first of all, the word happy comes from the word happenstance. Happenstance speaks about your circumstances. And so really, I want to encourage you to jump off the happy ship anyways and join me in the joy club to where we learn to find what real joy comes from, knowing God, walking with him, discovering that whether things are going good or bad, you can still have a sense of joy in your spirit. And that's something that, that no, no circumstance can take from you. In fact, some people call it the peace that passes understanding. But what happens is, is you have a, a centeredness about you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your happenstances, you'll find joy. In fact, Jesus said that in John 10, 10, he said this, I came to give life with joy in abundance. He didn't say I came to make you happy. It's like I came to give you joy. Joy is something that is not fleeting. It's not up or down with the stock market, up or down with whether you're winning or losing in life, up or down with whether you got the date or didn't get the date. It's not about those things. It's about a deeper sense of joy of knowing that God loves you and that you're secure in who he is and that he's got you. And you can find that in him. So as we talk today, I do believe that God wants you to be happy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say so, you know, basically suck it up. No, I'm not suggesting that. I do think we can take much more control over our emotions as well. Well, so we're going to unpack that as well. So pull out your notes. I want to give you some things to write down today. I want to start with a couple of simple sentences, though, that I think that kind of laid the groundwork for today. The first is this. Depression is neither a sin or a sign of weakness. I want to really unpack and talk about depression today. And if you deal with that, maybe you're a little depressed right now, maybe you're just a little bit down, or maybe you've been dealing with this for weeks or even months. And so it's not a sin, and it's not really a sign of weakness. Also, depression is not something a person chooses. It can just come over you. 
And so all of us deal with this at some point in our life, and this is important too. Rather, it's something a person must choose how to deal with. So you're going to have negative thoughts. You're going to have depressed seasons and moments. And so it's not, it's not that you're going to be able to avoid that. And so rather than try to pretend like it's not happening, let's learn how to deal with it instead. And so I want to give you some simple principles to do that today. And so would you write these down? Let's first start, start off in Scripture with Isaiah 53, 3, and learn something about our Savior. This is important to know. It says this about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Did you know Jesus dealt with negative emotions too? That he knew what it was like to feel rejected, to feel left out, to be betrayed, to be hurt, to be downcast. He understood that. He was considered a man of sorrows who was acquainted with grief. He knew what it feels like to, frankly, be us. And so he gets that. And so look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Goes on to say, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, I, I want to encourage you today to know that Jesus is not just a healer. He is our wounded healer. He himself was wounded. He himself went through pain and difficulty so he can relate to where you are. So I want to encourage you to do this. Number one, start off with this. Cry out to Jesus because he understands you. Cry out to Jesus because he really does understand what you're dealing with, what you're going through, if you're dealing with depression, if you're just down. By the way, I want to list off some, some people that you may not have known dealt with depression. Here's just a few. Uh, King David in the Bible, Job in the Bible, Elijah in the Bible. Elijah was actually suicidal. And so those are, those are three people that were used of God greatly all throughout the Word of God. Here's some Christians throughout history. C.S. Lewis dealt with depression. Did you know that? Uh, the guy who wrote Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe, that's him. Uh, how about Mother Teresa? Most people didn't know that she had terrible bouts of depression. I mean, one of the most godly women of all time dealt with depression on a regular basis. Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Wesley, Charles Spurgeon, Sir Isaac Newton, they all dealt with depression. Modern-day Christians would be Joyce Meyer. She speaks openly about this a lot. She dealt and deals with depression. Barbara Bush dealt with depression. Jim Caviezel, the guy who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, I had a chance to interview him on TBN uh, a number of years ago, and he wept openly multiple times about really struggling and being depressed. I really appreciated his candor. Like, here's a, you know, Hollywood multimillionaire actor, and he deals with depression. He was the star of the TV show Person of Interest. You know, when it, when it had its run, it was one of the hottest shows on TV. He deals with depression. So don't think somehow that, oh, if I was successful, then I wouldn't struggle with it. That's simply not the case. Uh, Sheila Walsh is a, is a Christian author and teacher. Uh, she used to uh, host a TV show uh, on the air for almost 20 years, and she dealt with such a, a bout of depression and anxiety. At one point, she literally broke down publicly on TV in the middle of her TV show. It was very public. She later said that she believes the reason why God let it happen that way was because she couldn't deny it. She couldn't hide it anymore. The whole world saw it. It was live on television. And then she could help lead people that followed her out of it when God began to restore her. So people deal with this. It's not uncommon. Buzz Aldrin, the famous astronaut, dealt with depression. Lecrae, the hip-hop artist, deals with depression. And so just know it's, it's normal. Um, here's a few more celebrities. Dwayne The Rock Johnson speaks of how he struggles with depression. Probably because he's not in very good shape. Yeah, that's probably it. No, he doesn't have enough money. That's probably not enough fame. See, the thing is, we think the world's going to satisfy us. It won't. Because we're talking about people who have everything that so many people want. And yet, they deal with 
Depression, Lindsey Vaughn deals with depression, Adele, Lady Gaga, Owen Wilson. I could go on and on with famous people that deal with depression, with, with Christians, with Christian patriarchs and matriarchs in the Bible and throughout history. It's not uncommon. So if they can't escape it, what makes you think you and I are going to escape dealing with this as well? So the first thing to do is to cry out to Jesus and know that it can be dealt with. He can help you overcome it. And here's number two. Would you write this down? I want to challenge you to talk to someone who can help. Talk to someone who can help. It says in James 5, 16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that, so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. My, my wife gave me this next verse. This is Habakkuk chapter 3. It says, the Lord God is my strength and my personal bravery and my invincible army. He will make me to walk, not to stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. I love how it says, the Lord is my personal bravery. Because maybe the most brave thing you need to do today is tell someone you're struggling. Now, I want to suggest that if you have been dealing with depression for a week or two, it's probably something just going on that you can overcome pretty quickly. Maybe you're just down and don't, can't, can't find a reason. That's something, again, you can probably just begin to focus on some more positive things, turn it around. But if you're hardly getting out of bed and it's been months, you need to go see someone. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in calling a counselor and talking to someone. You know, I've called a counselor multiple times in my life. And every time I've done it, after the initial consult, after the initial conversation, I always got the phone and said, I can't believe I waited this long to do that. That was so worth it. So if I can admit that to you as your pastor, then can we admit that sometimes we just need to get a little checkup from, from the neck up, you know what I'm saying? Just to kind of make sure we're good. You take your car to get checked, don't you? Why would you not just get a little check? Just, just to make sure we're good. You know, just dealing with some stuff. Just want to talk this through, see if this is normal. How, how do you recommend people deal with, dealing with this kind of stuff? And so there's nothing wrong with doing that. I highly recommend it. But let me just say this. I want to stop. Listen, listen, don't miss this. If you have been considering or had thoughts or even plans of hurting yourself or anyone else or taking your life, I want you to talk to someone before you leave church today. Do not put this off. Wouldn't it be sad for someone to die of thirst one foot from water? For you to be this close to help and not say anything is exactly what the devil wants. But what God wants is for you to know there is help all around you right now. There is hope in Christ and in his house. So by the end of the day, we're going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to let someone know you just need to talk to someone. It's okay to do that. I highly recommend it. When I need to talk with someone, I do. When you need to talk with someone, you should too. There's no shame in that. I want to encourage you to do that. Talk to someone. They really can help. Ann Voskamp's a well-known author and Christian teacher. She dealt with suicidal thoughts for a long time. She said this about it, very powerful. She said, you don't try to kill yourself because death's appealing, but because life's agonizing. We don't want to die, but we can't stand to be devoured. Wow. That just breaks my heart for her. And if that's you dealing with those kind of emotions, don't deal with that alone. You were not meant to, to face that alone. There are too many people around you that love you, that want to help. And so please reach out to someone today. Please, before you leave whatever campus you're at, tell your pastor, tell someone around you, we want to get you some help. 
It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength to ask for help. So I want to encourage you to do that. And here's why. There are people that know how to get out of that. There are people that know how to help you. And so suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. So please don't do that. It's not the answer. It is not God's will, I can assure you. That is not God's plan for your life. But there are answers that you can get that will really help you overcome those types of thoughts, those types of plans. John 8, 31 says the truth will free you. The truth will set you free. And there is truth that people can walk you through that will help you be free of those kinds of emotions. So please talk with someone. Here's the next thing. Number three, stay in Christian community. Stay in Christian community. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. This is why I love life groups so much. This is, we have life groups that meet all over uh, the community that, that we have campuses at. I mean, all over the place. I encourage you to join a life group. It's not a therapy class. It's just regular people like you that just sometimes need to be encouraged. Here's why I love life groups. Here's one of my favorite parts about life groups and about just being in relationship with other believers. Here's why. Because we're not all crazy at the same time. <laughs> Which means when I'm having my bad moment, my wife typically is not. She can encourage me. When she's having her bad moment, I'm typically not. I can encourage her, right? Isn't that wonderful? That the person next to you is probably not going to have the same bad day the same day you're having yours. And so you can encourage one another. You can lift one another up. So maybe this week at Life Group, you're going to encourage someone who's really down and going through it. But you don't know. Three weeks from now, you may be the one going through it, and they're encouraging you. That's part of being there for one another. So I want to encourage you to join a life group. You really can be an encouragement and make a difference for someone. And so really, uh, being in community, number three, stay in Christian community is a big deal. If you're not in community with other believers, you should be. And so I highly recommend that you join a group. And uh, if you can't find the right group, start one. Start your own. That's fine. We'd love to help you faci help facilitate that for you. We want to encourage you to, to uh, talk to your pastor, your campus pastors. They can help you get in a life group or, or lead a life group. We want to encourage you to do that. It's, it, it's a game changer. It really is. You are not meant to do life alone. You know, we say to our friends, hey, man, let's do lunch, right? Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's go catch a game together, right? Well, I want to say, hey, let's do life together. Let's just do life together. We're not meant to be alone. So Come out of hiding, you know, quit, quit trying to do the Christian life alone that was never meant to, to, to be lived alone. There's too many one another's you can't do unless you're in relationship with people. So we need to be in relationship. There's too much love one another, serve one another, encourage one another, warn one another. How can you do all those one another's if you're never around other people? So God doesn't want you to just show up at church and then leave. He wants you to get plugged in and encourage one another and be there for each other. So stay in Christian community. Man, it's quiet in here. It's like someone's dealing with this right now. I really believe that God's trying to break through to you to understand that we need to connect with one another. This next one's huge. Speaking of connection, I want to actually encourage you to disconnect also. I want to encourage you, if you're really dealing with depression, to unplug from social media. This is one of the best things I'll say all day because so many people are looking at other people's lives and getting depressed from it. And so I want to encourage you not to do that. I know a lady that uh, she was talking with a friend of mine, and she said, yeah, I don't go on Instagram because it depresses me. The interesting thing about this lady is she happens to be a, a billionaire with a B. She's a billionaire, and she gets depressed and jealous of others on social media. Wow. If you can get jealous as a billionaire, you may not need to be on Instagram. Right? Uh, but can we just admit that we all deal with this at some level? I mean, it's, it's not reality. We all put our highlight reel online. We don't, we don't talk about what really, what's really going on. We, oh, I just love my husband, my wife. We went on a great date tonight. They're so hot. 
They're so amazing. We don't say, oh, I just had a fight with my spouse again. We don't say that on Instagram. We don't put that on Facebook, right? We don't like to put that stuff on InstaSham. But the truth is, is that we're lying. We're pretending like everything is so wonderful. We only post our kids when they look great and talk great and they're all nice. We don't say, hey, my teenager popped off of me again. We don't post that. But we're all dealing with stuff like that, right? And so it's real, but yet we don't, we don't post that. We just post our highlight reel. So we're all comparing our regular lives to someone's highlight reel and wondering why we're not depressed. That's why we're depressed. And so comparison will eat you alive. It says in Galatians 6, it says, each person should judge his own actions and not compare himself with others. Then he can be proud for what he himself has done. You know, I'm pretty proud of my life when I'm just looking at my life. But when I start to go online, I'm like, wow, I don't have all that going on. Look what they drive and where they vacation and where they go out to eat and look how great they look all the time. And oh man, I'll become really depressed fast if I compare my life to others constantly. But if I just stop and look around and realize I'm pretty blessed. God's been really good to me. I have a great family and friends and I've got a great church and I, I have a good life. And so I just want to encourage you to pull your head out of that. You know, there's a direct correlation to how many social media accounts and depression. Did you know that? They found that the more social media accounts and the more time you spend on social media, the higher rates of depression you have. Surprise, surprise. In fact, parents, if you really want to do your kids a favor, every once in a while, just take the phone from them and say, I'll get back in a couple hours and watch them melt down on you right there. <laughs> I can't make it. I it's like, wow, I should have taken that thing out of your hand a long time ago. You know, I mean, believe it or not, you can live. We lived before 2007 when there were smartphones. We actually survived it. It was somehow we made it. I don't know how, but. And so we, we, we've gotten so connected that we're not really connected. So I want to encourage you to, to unplug that. You know, when you, when you have dinner with your family, put the phones up and have a conversation. Pretend like it's before 1995, before the internet. Let's just, let's just talk. You know, before Al Gore created the internet for everybody, right? Let's just talk. That's a joke. Okay. Unplug from social media. It will be a game changer. Let me tell you why I love to unplug from it. Because my phone, if I look at it all the time, tells me I'm not good looking enough. I'm not young enough. I'm not cool enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not sharp enough. I'm not anything enough. I'm not in the right crowd. But you know what? When I read this book, it says I am enough. God made me. I am his creation. I have a plan. I have a future. So... Let's pull our head out of the phone and put our head in God's Word. Or, you know, open up your phone and, and use the YouVersion Bible app and read about the, the Bible. That's fine. Or if you're going to follow people, I'm not suggesting we all become Amish here and throw our phones away. No, I'm saying, who are you following and why? You know, why are you following? You know what? If you want to follow my account, I promise you, you're not going to see stuff that looks amazing. I'm going to instead encourage you. I want to put the Word of God on there and tell you how great you are. I don't want to tell you how great I am. I want to tell you how great you are that God has a purpose and plan for you. Follow people that encourage you, and it's okay to unfollow someone. Can we just admit that right now? It's okay. You can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, if maybe we were more honest and actually unfollowed some people that really annoy us, maybe they'd get the hint when everyone unfollows them, and they would stop posting unrealistic things. And so I want to encourage you, it's okay to do that. Just say, I don't want to watch that. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Can I, can I confess something to you right now? Is it okay? I think the Bible says to confess to one another, right? Let me just confess this to you right now on my phone. I don't have any social media accounts on my phone, not a one. And I am so much happier because of it. I used to have all on my phone that I don't. You said, well, do you not even have social media? No, I have social media. You can follow any of my accounts as much as you want. I do post. I do read them. I go about once or twice a week at the most, but I'm not on it all day long. Why? Well, first of all, I'd like to get something done in my life. 
But number two, I'd prefer to be happy. I prefer to live my life than simply follow everyone else trying to live theirs. And so I want to encourage you to unplug sometimes. And if, if, if this seems like a foreign concept to you, you're in desperate need of this. I highly recommend you try this. Just unplug it. It's a game changer. First of all, your grades will go up if you're in school immediately. Studies now tell us that the average student this generation is 20% less uh, academically than their counterpart was 20 years ago before we had smartphones. Smartphones are not making you smarter. They're making you dumber. It's really true. It's been proven over and over again. There's all kinds of books out on this. I have a book out. One of my favorite books is called How to Break Up with Your Phone. It's a real book. And it's a great book. I'm telling you guys, we have a problem and nobody wants to admit it. All we've done is shifted our addiction, uh, our addiction from TV to phones. And I want to encourage you, live your life unplugged. Again, I'm not trying to say, we, you know, I know most of us in business would, would need it. I get it. I have social accounts too. I want to be an influencer when it comes to pointing people to Jesus. I understand that. But I'm not going to let my phone run my life. I run the phone. It doesn't run me. So unplug. It's a great thing to do. I encourage you to do that. And here's the next one. Number five, count your blessings. Count your blessings. Remember the song we used to sing as kids in church? Those of you who grew up in church, let's sing it together. Count your blessings, name them one by one. How many of you guys know the song? How many of you guys know it? Yeah, some of you guys know that. I just dated myself. It's okay. I'm all right with that. <laughs> because if we don't learn to count our blessings, we'll be very miserable. In other words, like you've got a lot of great things going on in your life. Can you just list them right now? Do that right now on the sheet of paper that's in front of you that you're taking notes on. Just write three or four things that you're really happy about. Just what are you blessed for? You know, if you're married and sit next to your spouse, you need to write your spouse down right now. They're looking at your paper. All right, just write their name down. Write your spouse's name, your kids, your health, you know. You should all write your pastor. I'm so thankful for my pastor. Why are you not writing this down? <laughs> so offensive. Anyways, write down what you're thankful for, right? There's so much that we're grateful for. My family, my church, my, you know, my, 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 uh, my, my health, my, you know, my, my friends. Name, name your friends. Someone that you're really grateful for. Just write their name down. In fact, it would be really great. You should text them later and say, hey, I wrote your name down because I was thinking about who I'm thankful for. That's great. You know, you're thankful for your job. You know, just imagine not having it. Though, oh, okay, I like it now, right? And so, so it's important that we become thankful, right, for our life. Look what it says in Scripture. It says in 1 Thessalonians, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. People say, I want to just know God's will. Well, God's will is for you to become thankful. So just start to, to make a list of the things you're grateful for. And this will really help you with your attitude. If you struggle with just little moments of being down, why don't you have a thankful list that you can keep on your phone, pull it out, and just read through it whenever you find yourself down. It'll just pick you up when you realize, man, my life is really good. I'm blessed. I have a lot of good things going on in my life, right? I bet you do too. So list us off and show your gratefulness towards the Lord. In fact, what's really great is just stop and just thank God and just tell him, God, I want to thank you for all the things you've done for me. I want to thank you for sending Jesus. I'd be lost without him. I want to thank you that I have the power of your Holy Spirit in me to overcome my struggles. I want to thank you I'm not alone, that I have a church, family and friends to be around to encourage me so I can encourage them. I'm not doing life alone. I'm so thankful for that. What are you thankful for? Be thankful for all that God has given you. How about the fact that we live in a country where we can worship freely? Isn't that a wonderful thing? I'm thankful for that. Isn't that great? How many guys are thankful for our military keeping us safe? Yeah, I'm thankful. I could go on and on with things that we're so blessed to have. The economy we have is such a blessing. So many people that had the same skill you do just in another part of the world make a tenth of what you earn. And the only difference, they just don't live here. Same skills, same ability. Well, I'm good with numbers. So are they. They just live in the Middle East where they don't earn the income you earn. Same skills. 
See, we're blessed, guys. We're so incredibly blessed, and yet we act like we're miserable, and it's crazy. We have so many things to be blessed about. I'm not trying to make light of real depression that you're dealing with. I'm not making light of it. I'm just telling you this will help. You say, well, that's not going to solve it. It's going to help. I promise you, becoming thankful will help. The last one is this. The last one, this is a bonus point I want to give you. Here's a bonus point. Go help someone else. Go help someone else. You know what's going to help you not be depressed? Get your eyes off yourself. Put your eyes on someone else. If you'll do that, it'll turn your life around. Jesus said this. It's the golden rule. He said, do to others what you want them to do to you. Do for others what you want them to do for you, right? Do unto others. In other words, the point is, is that if you'll get your eyes off yourself and encourage someone else, maybe you think, man, no one appreciates me at work. I want to challenge you this week. Instead of looking for appreciation at work, go give appreciation. Just find someone and say, man, you're doing a great job. I just want to say I'm grateful. You maybe say, well, now I never get any texts from anybody telling me how great I am or how sweet I am or how nice I am. Why don't you text five people and tell them how great they are? Just, just, hey, just think about you. Just want you to know I think you're awesome. I'm so thankful for you. Just text them that. It'll be such a blessing if you'll do that. When I'm down, I get out my phone and I don't go to social media. I actually go to my, my, uh, my, my names of, of all the people that, that are all my contacts. I go through those and I just start texting people saying, hey, I just want, I'll just stop right there. Oh, I want, God, I just pray for them. I pray you bless them. I thank you for them. Thank you for the difference they've made in my life. And then I text them and tell them, hey, I was just praying for you. Just want you to know that. Just so, so thankful for you. And I just start thanking people for all that they mean to me. And by the end of doing that four or five minutes, guess what? I feel great. You know why? Because what you give out, you get back. So rather than waiting for someone to appreciate you, appreciate them. I'm just still waiting for my spouse to appreciate me. Appreciate them. If you'll do that and tell them how great they are and how much they mean to you, then they will in turn, over time, maybe not immediately, bring that back to you. And so I'm not trying to say manipulate people. I'm saying that what you give out, you get back. So if you'll begin to make life about other people, they'll become grateful for you. Nothing builds your life like building others. If you'll begin to pour into other people, it'll build your life. It really will. I want to take a moment and ask us to bow our heads across all of our campuses. I just want to go into a ministry moment if we can. Normally, we kind of close our services a little quicker. I'm going to just slow it down. I, I finished early on time, uh, on purpose, so that we could take just a few moments. So if you'll just take a moment and bow your heads with your eyes closed in this prayer time, maybe today you're struggling with some depression. You're, you just say, Pastor, I, just, I, I can't explain. I'm just down. I'm just tired of dealing with this. Cry out to God right now. And while you pray, why don't you just thank God for some things that are going right in your life? We have a tendency to hyper-focus on the things that aren't right when there's so much going good in our life. And I know some of us have real big losses. So I'm not suggesting that those are easy. I'm certainly not going to look at someone who's going through divorce and say, just get over it. No, I'm not suggesting that. That's a real difficulty. That, that, that's serious pain. I understand that, but that doesn't mean you can't overcome it. It's going to take some time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. But you know, maybe you've been so focused on who left you that you forgot who's still with you. Maybe it's time to say, you know what, Lord, I, I can't help that my husband and wife left me, but I, I can say, God, thank you for these beautiful children around me. I thank you for the, who's still with me. I can't help it that, you know, that didn't work out with this friend, but I have all these other great friends. So let's be thankful for what we, what we do have rather than what we no longer have. I want to encourage you during this prayer time, we're going to do something a little daring right now. If you have been struggling with depression, I want to ask you to lift your hand high to God, admit it to him. We want to pray for you. And I want you to know that God loves you and you're not alone. He can help you.
Thank you. There are hands going up all across our campuses right now. Thank you for that. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Thank you for that. We're praying for you. We really are. Now, everyone put your hands down. Now, let me just challenge you with this. If today you're willing to admit that you have been having thoughts of hurting yourself or taking your life, I'm going to ask you to boldly hold your hand up so we can pray for you today and you can get some help. So on the count of three, here's why I want you to do it. One, because God demands us, commands us to connect with one another and confess our struggles. Two, because there's a God who loves you and wants to help you. And three, he placed you in the church community with people who love you and want to help you. Please don't die of thirst one foot from water. So if that's you today, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to boldly do something you never thought you'd do. Have just enough faith to lift your hand. Would you do that on the count of three? One, two, three. Please lift your hand high. If you've had those thoughts recently, just okay. There's hands going up right now. It's okay. You're not alone. You're not alone. And keep your hand held high. And I'm going to ask some sensitive, loving Christians sitting around you to come and pray over you. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. No, I'm, I'm not asking everyone to look around, but a handful of people who want to pray for you are going to get up and, and come pray for you right now. Keep your hand high at all of our campuses right now. I see your hand, Padre. I see it. I see that hand at Rodfield right now. It's okay. It's okay. You're not alone. You're not alone. I see that hand in San Antonio. You're not alone. You're not alone, Rockport. You're not alone. We see you out there, Westside. We know that you're struggling. Just lift your hand high. Someone's going to come to you right now and just pray over you and encourage you right now. Hold your hand high. It's okay. Don't be afraid. I think some more people should have their hands up. Don't lie to yourself. This is the help you've been looking for. It's happening right now. Don't you dare miss out on this. Please lift that hand high. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Hold your hand high. We're going to come to you right now. Hold it high. Hold it high. Right now. Thank you. We just want to pray for you right here in the middle, right here. Thank you. Hold your hand high. If you're dealing with that right now, it's okay. You're not alone. You have a church that loves you. People say, where is God in all this? And the Christians all around you, praying for you right now, encouraging you. You are not alone. There is hope, and his name is Jesus. He loves you. You're not alone. We're going to get you the help you need right now. Do not leave your church today with thoughts of hurting yourself or hurting others without getting help. Life is worth living. God has too much for you to do for you to end it all. Hold that hand high. We're coming for you. God loves you. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you never received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, we're going to pray a simple prayer and you're going to have an opportunity to receive Christ right now. And so right now as people are being prayed for, being encouraged, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, maybe you've been trying to fill your needs with the world. You tried with relationships. You tried with money. You tried with stuff. And you realize none of that satisfies your soul. It's because it wasn't meant to. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul, a relationship with him. God sent his son Jesus to die for you. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. He died for our sin. And now he waits for you to receive him. Let's pray this prayer together. You can receive Christ right now. Just say, dear Jesus. I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. You paid the price for my sin and the price for my pain. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray. Amen.
Isn't God good? His word is so true.